Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Brian Christofferson. I'm joined by Michael Bruns. It's a beautiful week. Um, isn't it, Bruns? It's a beautiful. It is. It's spring break. I'm happy to be joining you from Panama City Beach, Florida. Yeah, I can tell. Uh, <laughs> got, you got a lot of... Look how tan I am. Yeah. You're bronzed. It's, it's, yeah. it's amazing. You look like George Hamilton. Like a young George Hamilton. <laughs> our, our, I'm sure everybody in our audience knows who George Hamilton is. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it is spring break. You're right. Uh, at UNL, we're no longer college students. That has long left us. Uh, but uh, Nebraska football, after having six practices, they have a week off and uh, then they're back at it. Um, so this is sort of like progress report time. It was like that time in junior high when I was at McMillan Junior High when they would, you know, maybe you had one bad grade. I don't, Bruns probably never had a bad grade, but you you were a little leery about it reaching your parents. Did you ever have a situation like that? Yeah, the there was always that one little class that was never never quite as it should be and you were waiting for the hammer to drop. So I, I understand that. I, I, I think there's probably a little bit of uh, similarities between middle school, you and me, and Nebraska football right now with where they're at. Okay. Well, let's go through it. Um, I was thinking we're going to do sort of a hot seat thing. So I'm going to fire off a question uh, to Bruns, and then I'll answer it myself. Uh, just kind of basic stuff. Um, let's start – Let's start simple, Bruns. Is there a guy halfway through almost uh, that's uh, surprised you that he's popped up this spring? You're like, I didn't like if you go back three weeks ago, you're like, I didn't think we'd hear his name. And suddenly, like, oh, he's really part of this conversation. A lot of Elante Brown. Uh, I mean, that that's where we're at with spring ball is you're listening for names that keep coming up. And we've heard Elante Brown from Bill Bush. We've heard him a lot from Mickey Joseph. Um, seems to be having a pretty good spring going to be in the mix a little bit more than he has been. That's been a little bit of a, a surprising name after battling injuries for a number of uh, number of seasons here. Okay, the name I'm going to throw at you, um, haven't heard him from all corners, but it's sort of one of those names that's like uh, you're picking up in kind of back conversations and it's floating in the wind, and that's Jock Yant. I think uh, he showed up uh, in shape. Um, and is so far putting in the right impression to Brian Applewhite. And, you know, maybe Anthony Grant is too, uh, the transfer, adding to the competition with Ramir Johnson. So uh, that's a good problem to have if Yant and Grant continue at a strong pace as Gabe Irvin gets healthy and as A.J. Allen gets ready uh, to come in here next summer. Uh, so those are some guys on that end. Um Okay, how about a coach? Is there a coach so far, one of the new coaches, um, that uh, they kind of had a, have an incomplete grade, you'd have to say at this point, but they've been of the most intrigue to you. It's just like, um, you know, you did, you, there's a storyline there that you've sort of picked up on that you've liked over the first two weeks that you didn't see coming. I guess I've been surprised by, I mean, we've heard from him a lot, but I've been really surprised by how willing Scott Frost has been to turn over the keys to Mark Whipple with the offense. Um, you know, obviously he has not, uh, we haven't gotten to see what this offense looks like, but it, it's his show. Yeah. I, I would say um, offensive line coach uh, Donovan Riola is someone who jumps out to me um, just by the fact that, uh, 
Uh, Scott Frost has, um, I think, really trumpeted the progress of that group in the early practices. Uh, said they're obviously getting off the ball better with their burst, you know, um, at, at the point of attack. And uh, I, I think there's been some good buy-in from the stuff we've heard behind the scenes with the O-linemen and how they're sort of feeding into what Donovan Raiola wants from them. And Donovan Raiola's main goal right now is to build up an understanding of um, you got to have that attitude that great Husker lines of the past had. You know, you've got to have that ability to, um, you know, sort of take an opposing team's will away. And uh, that's what they're trying to instill this spring. And he's trying to see who has it. And all the coaches have sort of gone out of their way to speak up Ryle and the job he's doing, and, and Frost has as well. So I, I would say uh, he'd be an example of that. Okay, let's go uh, defensive side of the ball, Brunts. Is there, is there somebody there, uh, we've kind of been offensive focused, who, is, who has popped out at you or uh, you, you see a sort of uh, – maybe at least putting themselves in the conversation. Well, we're probably going to have the same answer, um, but I'll go with the easy one of Marquise Buford. I, I think, you know, the the fact that he's kind of, I, I think, put himself firmly in the mix at safety. He could play corner. Um, you know, he was one of the guys that we heard from right away um, after spring practices start. That stuff matters. Like, you know, I, I think there's some legitimate momentum uh, behind him and kind of what he's doing. So I, I think him, you know, the, 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 the thing that's going to be interesting with the secondary, and I don't know if this is one of your rapid fire questions. So I apologize if I'm uh, kneecapping you here, but Omar Brown's going to potentially enter the mix in the secondary, the transfer from Northern Iowa a guy that they expect has the potential to start at corner and I'm eager to see how that kind of reshuffles the deck a little bit between Buford, um, you know, Tommy Hills also kind of in, in that group of guys that's competing for a corner spot. But you, you add a guy like Brown to the conversation, too. And, and all of a sudden, you know, that, that's a pretty crowded battle you've got for, for starting jobs. So I'm kind of eager to see how that shapes up. But I think Buford, to me, has been the biggest uh, storyline probably early on of, of guys that have kind of emerged. Yeah, and it gets tough after that. You did steal um, probably the easy answer there um, because they're they're still trying to figure out a lot, um, especially I think up front about like who who is going to emerge sort of in the interior of that D line along with like a Nash Hutmacher. Nash Hutmacher still has to emerge, but joining him uh, in the party, obviously they can do stuff with Ty Robinson. Um, I guess for a different answer to that question, and this is not uh, a real stunning answer, but Garrett Nelson, I think, has emerged early on as like you sort of could have anticipated this, but it feels like he's becoming very much a face of the defense early on in the spring. You know, like he's the guy uh, they send it out when when uh, Will Compton came through with his Bussin' and the Boys uh, podcast and um, you know, Garrett Nelson is the guy they put up front and, uh, his voice was hoarse the first day of spring ball, you know, already from winter workouts. And I think he's sort of the, uh, going to be a key factor in just pushing guys throughout the spring that we're, we're talking about, uh, that we hope we see, uh, grow into, into bigger roles. That leads me to my next question. 
Brunts, who's a name uh, you'd love to hear pop up before April 9th and you're like, this guy's part of it or he's going to be a part of it in fall camp? Is there a name you'd really love to hear? It's not a, a particular guy, but I mean, it. we need to hear more defensive line names. I mean, you know, we, we've heard a little bit of Nash Hutmacher based on the lift numbers and everything else, but you know, Casey Rogers is limited. We know you've got Ty Robinson, but there's not a lot that we've heard of, of guys who are kind of emerging up front. And I feel like a broken record a little bit, but I mean, that that's a big area of concern for me based on what Nebraska lost last year. The fact that you don't have a ton of proven depth, especially at the nose tackle spot. So, you know, who, who's going to give you, you know, some depth? I mean, you know, Tony Tuioti used to always talk about wanting to have you know, six to eight guys that he could count on. I, I don't even know that they're at six right now if they had to play a game uh, this Saturday. So I, I, I need to hear some more there. And, and you know, it might even be one of those situations where you don't even, you know, have a great sense of who that's going to be until the fall because I think they're going to have to get active in the transfer portal and add a little bit more help there, a little bit more depth there. So that that continues to be an area of that that you need some young guys, the the Jalen Weavers, the Ruklan Buckleys, those guys to step up. Okay, that's a good one. I would like to hear, um, like a James Carney or an AJ Rollins um, pop up as uh, they're going to be a factor, and they they might not know that for sure after the spring, but you start to hear consistently more about them. And yes, they're you know is some concern about the tight end spot. I think as we go through this spring break about, um, you know, Travis Volkolek has been out this spring with injury. He's going to be fine by the season. And then there's rumblings about, you know, Thomas Fedone, maybe during the, the, the scrimmage, something happening and we'll see, we'll get a report on what his health is. But I think this has to be more than just all along. I've thought this, and it was just banking on Thomas Fedone being great. I think, Sean Beckton's got a group of guys, you know, you could go through them all with Carney Rollins, Chance Brewington, Chris Hickman, uh, Nate Borkercher. They like as a, a walk on, you know, you'd love to see two or three of those guys really like you feel like, okay, they have four guys there. They, they're okay. If somebody goes down and they, they can plug somebody in. So tight end would be a spot like that. Um, staying on the offensive side of the ball. Now this one, I'll get right to the point Brunts. We haven't seen Chubba Purdy at all yet, or he hasn't taken any reps yet. Um, who do you think is going to be the viewed as the number two guy by the end of spring? That's sort of a blindfolded guess you're going to have to make, but Logan Smothers has said he's here to fight. Um, Chubba Purdy obviously wants to show his stuff. Harburg wants to show his, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, just where we sit now, I mean, I would give Smothers the edge. Um, you know, what, once Chubba Purdy starts doing things, we'll see if he's able to, you know, move move Smothers off the mark a little bit. But it, it's it's tough. I mean, I it's kind of a cop out answer, but I could almost see kind of a co number twos. You know, I, I think that's kind of where they're headed right now because I think Logan Smothers does some of the things that they want to continue to have in this offense. I mean, you're going to have quarterback run game. That's going to be part of it. And, and you know, Chubba Purdy is certainly athletic, but I mean, I, I don't think he's the runner that Logan Smothers is. The, the question is, can Logan Smothers show that he's able to get the ball down the field, which is going to be a huge part of this offense. They want to 
go deep. They want to stress defenses that way. So um, I, I would tend to give the the advantage to Smothers, but I mean, at, at the same time, you know, Mark Whipple loves Chubba Purdy, loved him at Pitt, loved you know, got him to Nebraska. I, I think that also the the kind of having your guy, I, I think, is what is going to maybe work in Chubba Purdy's favor. So uh, I'm going to go the wuss answer. Co-number two is coming out of spring behind Casey Thompson. It's a wuss bet line right there. Yep. Yeah, it was an unfair question anyway. I mean, like, yeah, pick the number <laughs> no, two here. It's a completely fair question. It's just like, uh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I I don't know. I And maybe that's just me believing a little bit more in Logan Smothers than, than uh, you know, maybe what the field does. I mean, the question also just stated who's number two. It's a there's an assumption there that Casey Thompson's going to be the starter. I know you feel the same way I do, though, and we talked about this last week, so we won't just uh, go through that all again. But I mean, it, everything has felt like early in spring. That's certainly a storyline that Casey Thompson is sort of who we thought he was going to be as the lead candidate at that position. They've really put him out front. He talks like he's that guy. And, um, you know, he's been in training four years to be that guy. He, he didn't just uh, roll here from Texas after one or two years. He had been in that program for a long time. That's a 23-year-old guy. So uh, he, had, he came here uh, and has an NIL deals uh, attached to his name, too, that um, I'm sure we're, he said were important, too, in that process. And uh, that's an interesting part of these conversations, too, now, as some of these guys are going to come in and maybe command some pretty good NIL deals and they still have to go win a job. Um, uh, that's another part of it. But Casey has definitely halfway through sort of seemed like the top guy. Okay. Here's a, here's a different angle. Um, is there, is there a wild card you have um, that comes to mind? Somebody that you wouldn't necessarily uh, think of first, but I'll, I'll, I'll start and let you think for a second. Um, I think Colton Feast is a wild card in the defensive line. Um, I think he's a, a walk-on um, who last year was going to be in the rotation, uh, you know, prior to his injury. And Eric Shenander has talked him up. And Mike Dawson has said he's one of the strongest guys they have. If you're in an alleyway fight, he's one of those guys you want. So as we talk about the conversation of hitting the depth needs there. I think he could be a wild card, sort of someone we don't talk about a lot. Um, but is there someone like that that comes to your mind? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's, it's hard. Omar Brown is probably the, the wild card in that secondary to me, you know, beyond that, you know, I, I, I do wonder about the offensive line group a little bit. I mean, that it, it's, I feel like the offensive line guy thing is to say that, you know, we're going to try to get our best five on the field. Like, that, like that's just something you say. Mm -hmm. And it seems, though, that Nebraska is mixing and matching quite a bit with where guys are at. I mean, you had Hunter Anthony playing some guard, Kevin Williams playing some, um, some tackle. I, so I'll, I'll, my wild card on the offensive line is going to be Kevin Williams. I mean, th this is a guy that was, kind of out of out of the mix I guess at Northern Colorado for a year um you know kind of came in as a transfer without much fanfare but 
the the fact that he can play tackle, he can play interior positions makes him very valuable. And, you know, with with two presumed starters out this spring, he's getting an opportunity to show what he can do. So, you know, maybe maybe he's able to do something at, at those guard spots to add a little competition because that that right guard spot's wide open. And I think he's maybe got a chance to to get in there and maybe be in that top five if he plays well this spring. That's a good answer. Um, and I think O-line is um, – you could probably go name like four or five guys actually um, that sort of intrigue that could just pop up and, and really um, change the conversation about – the starting five and uh that includes at center you know like uh, i know like hickson and piper are getting looks there and we don't know what's going on for sure and who's impressing the most but let's say one of those guys really meets the moment um you know maybe they do feel they could they could have somebody like that there and and not have to move Corcoran with sort of the anticipation that Corcoran could be center. So there's still a lot of moving pieces there. Like a Henry Latovsky is a young guy that always, uh, I know this podcast is always sort of locked in on and he's got obviously impressed a new coach, but yeah, you don't want to forget about somebody like him. Um, and then, I mean, even at wide receiver, there's, there's all sorts of guys um, that, that you could mention it. They're trying to get into that, that top nine and he's not a wild card. This is, this is, this is different, uh, probably a different conversation, but I'll just bring him up. Cause he's on my mind right now is, is Xavier Betts. I want to, I'd love to see Xavier Betts sort of, uh, be a guy you're starting to hear a lot about as this spring closes down and, uh, that Mickey, uh, Mickey is, you know, talking up a little bit um, as a guy who's consistently making plays because it feels like it's sort of his time. I don't know if you have a guy like that, Brunce, that where it's like he's maybe been around a couple of years and now it's his time and uh, let's see him sort of be the man type of thing. Yeah, I Caleb Tanner is maybe that for me. Um, you know, it, it, he's always seemed like, especially towards the end of last year, that he was on the cusp. Of, of a breakout he was playing better in more cons- more frequent stretches and when, when you kind of look at what they're replacing on defense I mean you're what six five six starters he's a veteran guy he's an attitude guy he's a he's a leadership type guy we'll, we'll see what he can kind of do to potentially you know take that next step as a defender I mean Nebraska still needs a, a difference maker at pass rusher a broken record there but um, you know, maybe, maybe Caleb Tanner can be that guy and, and finally stand up and be counted. All right. Some good stuff from Brunce there and Brunce doing this, um, while playing dad duty, uh, mind you. Um, I mean, that's, that's impressive. Uh, like I think he's responsible for doing this and turning on Peppa pig at the same time and he pulls it off. It's an amazing accomplishment. Um, so that's sort of a quick fire on football. Um, we'll come back and, uh, we'll talk a little bit about baseball because Bruns has his finger on that and, uh, it's been a tough start, but maybe things are turning. I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll jump into that. All right. Welcome back. Um, it has been a rough start for Husker baseball. Um, and, uh, 
they've been walked off. I, what are they? Six and nine now. Bronze, I think, is the record. Uh, yes, that is correct. Uh, two in a row. They won two in a row. Yeah, I was going to get to the positive. They have won two in a row. They they pulled one out. This they lost one to Omaha and then uh, at UNO to me as when I was a kid. And uh, yeah, then they they won the second game by a run and a win's a win. Last night, it sounds like a sports writer's dream where they were up 12 to nothing on New Mexico State, and then <laughs> the pitchers couldn't get three outs, and it, they had to go through like three arms to finish it off. Is that right? Yeah, the, the, you, there's nothing you love more when you have your game story completely written to, <laughs> to where the team surrenders a grand slam, walks six guys, and they have to, uh, they have to go through three pitchers including a guy making his Nebraska debut to get the last out of the game. So I, I did appreciate Will Bolt uh, sarcastically apologizing for keeping us there 30 minutes longer than we needed to be. So uh, just to, to throw that out there. But, yeah, kind of a – it's that mid-March swing when Nebraska starts to stack wins. And it's funny. I mean, we're, we're sitting here on March 16th and a, a walk-off win at home over UNO um, and a, a win over New Mexico State feels really, really important um, with just kind of how the season's gone. So I don't, I don't know if I would say that they're turning a corner yet. Mostly, but I will say this, Bronson, maybe you had this thought too. Um, as much as we were excited for this season going in, and everybody was, um, there was that part of me that said, man, they lost some key guys in some certain roles. And when last season ended, my immediate thought at that point was, I don't know if they can necessarily be the same team you know, where they just continue this momentum. It might take a little bit of a, a bridge gap or something. They're going to have to figure out a way to get to maybe a two years from now. I'm sure they're not looking at it that way. Um, but I, I knew that there was a possibility that it might not just be smooth sailing right into this year. Um, what have you thought about that? Is it, has it been sort of um, a shock to you at what's happened or is this some of the stuff we could have maybe saw coming if we, if we'd allowed ourselves to. It's, it's an interesting conversation and it's easy now to sit there and say oh well you know we we saw they might have but i mean it, when you kind of start to tick off what they were having to replace last year with their entire outfield gone basically your your top four hitters two starters on the weekend your your closer who was the the big 10 player of the year and also your starting shortstop I mean, I, I think it was going to be a tall ask to just, you know, snap your fingers and be playing that kind of baseball again. And, you know, against Omaha, you had, I think it was five of the top six guys in the lineup were freshmen. And that's just kind of where they're at now is you're having these guys learning college baseball on the fly. And, you know, some days it looks okay. And some days it looks like guys go up to the plate with just absolutely no plan. And I know that that's been a sense of frustration for Will Bolt and the staff and, you know, the, the guys that you were hoping could be counted on the veterans, um, you know, it seemed like everybody was kind of in a collective slump. So you give credit to guys like Griffin Everett that, that are, you know, kind of carrying the flag right now. Uh, Max Anderson seems to be having better at bats, which is promising. And, 
you know, I, I think the sign of a, a team that's still kind of trying to figure it out is, you know, day to day, who who are you putting in the lineup and where are you putting them? And it seems like every day Nebraska's come out with a different lineup, different guys in different spots and kind of seeing what sticks. So um, that that's kind of where they're at. It, and like I said, I mean, I, I think guys are starting to get more comfortable and you can kind of see the the corner that needs to be turned, but they're not quite there yet. The pitching has been much better, which I think is a, a positive. Um, defense needs to be significantly better because it's, it's just uh, it's not the, the crisp efficient baseball that this, this program wants to pride itself on. Something I always have a hard time with Bruns, um as someone you and I both follow Major League Baseball pretty closely. And so, you know, it's a 162-game grind. And you're sort of trained when you follow Major League Baseball, like 15 games in is not necessarily the biggest deal in the world. You know, it's just there's a rhythm to baseball. You get hot. Sometimes you'll lose a few, and it it doesn't have to mark the end of the world. I sometimes have – it's a challenge for me uh, knowing that and thinking about college baseball where, yes, there is – there's still a lot of season left, but it's not, you know, it's a 55 game season, something like that. Um, and if you're 15 games in, you know, you're, you've taken a chunk of the pie out and you've lost some opportunities is what I'm getting at in the non-conference against maybe some of the better teams at the, at the outset to sort of impress on your resume. What I was going to ask, and this is a, a question from sort of a, a dumb, dumb, and you can fill me in is, do you feel like they reached a point already where it's all got to be about like sort of conference, like you're building toward like you got to go win the conference and you build a club that can go do that. And hopefully you get yourself in shape to do that. And that's your path. And they kind of lost their other Avenue or is that too soon to say? Well, I mean, I think as a Northern team, the it's, it's tough because on the one hand you're having to kind of play your, play your way into comfort early in the season. But at the same time, those are the games that you have to get against quality competition in order to have the discussions about, um, you know, hosting a regional or even getting into that conversation. And Nebraska didn't do itself any favors by, you know, starting the way that it did against Sam Houston and TCU. So it's, you have to preach patience. You're right. And you're you're absolutely right too that when you're 15 games into a 52 game or 55 game season, uh, you're you're kind of up against it at this point. It's kind of put up or shut up time. And the the thing that I don't have a good handle on yet is I, I'm not sure how good the Big Ten is overall this year. I think they've got a chance to be pretty good, but we we don't really know that. I, I don't think I think Michigan's going to be fine, but Nebraska plays them right out of the gates in conference play. Nebraska's conference schedule is actually pretty tough. They they get pretty much everybody that is expected to be good in the Big Ten this year. So they'll have an opportunity to, to maybe help themselves there. But um, certainly not starting fast is uh, – it, it's tough to come back from for, for Northern teams. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I guess the, the they kind of do have to turn their attention more towards the conference season and getting through that way. That was going to be my finishing question, and uh, then we'll uh... – get out of here and we'll get to some Peppa Pig um, after that Um, is, has there been any talk and I wouldn't necessarily expect this because you're just focused on the game in front of you, but do you get a sense that that's sort of the outlook that is developing now after the tough start is like, okay, let's, let's, 
figure out some of these warts. Let's uh, let's get something going um, where we can make a run in the Big Ten and let's build our team. So when that first game of conference play starts, uh, we're equipped for it. And it's sort of a new season. Is there any has there been any like broaching of that subject of like kind of building toward that that mini season or that that uh, new part of this season? They haven't. Um, <laughs> they, I mean, they're kind of at a spot right now where it's almost like we we need to get like the small things figured out. Like yeah. we need to play better defense. We need to find out who the heck our leadoff hitter is. I mean, that that's something that they still, I don't think, know at, at this point. And so that's kind of, you know, it's it's very micro level almost where I think they're starting to get the pitching figured out. I, I think that's in an okay spot role wise and who's coming in when, but um, you know, the, the changing of lineups, they're, they're searching for something there. And I, I think that's the, the thinking is, okay, if we can get that handled, then the big 10 stuff and, and the, the, the other, you know, kind of NCAA tournament talk and all that will kind of take care of itself. Um, you know, I, I think last night against New Mexico state was a pause, a step in the right direction. I think playing so many games in such a short amount of time over spring break is a good thing for this team. They just need at-bats, reps, um, innings. But uh, I, I think it's very much more of a we're trying to get our house in order so yeah. that we can kind of take care of things out there once uh, once they have to start playing the Michigans and, and the Marylands of the world. Yeah, that makes sense. That's the way you got to look at it when you're inside the locker room. We always look at it in those sort of other terms. But uh yeah, you're right. Figure out leadoff hitter and stuff like that, you know. <laughs> Things like that. Like who are we gonna send up there first? That that's a yeah. good good thing to be. All okay. right. You got more? Bronx, well, you have more. Say, I was gonna say both of our baseball teams are probably in that same boat of figuring out who the heck the leadoff hitter is gonna be or you know, who's gonna pitch or are they well, gonna field are they gonna field a roster in in the A's case? Both the Minnesota Twins and Oakland A's are making a lot of moves. Um, they might be moves that are aimed for a season three years down the line, but uh, they are making moves. So we've got that going for us. Um, well, thanks, Bronson. We are, we'll wrap it up here on our Husker 24-7 podcast. We'll be back uh, with another one. And we, we have a ton of stuff on the website. Even though they're not in action over there at practice, uh, we're still going to have a lot. There's going to be – I think some basketball news is coming. Um, you're going to see some portal movement. You're going to see maybe some staff movement, I would expect, maybe sooner than all of that even. And so uh, come to Husker 24-7 for all the latest. Thanks for listening.